you know, the other day I did that helicopter flight for the mm-hmm. first time, mm-hmm. and I took, right. some, I took some Dramamine mm-hmm. uh, because I, I thought I might get airsick because I've never been on a helicopter before, so I didn't know, and, and it was a two-hour deal, so I didn't want to get sick because, you know, I'm taking pictures for a client and all that, so right. it just wouldn't be good. Um, so anyway, that Dramamine makes you extremely sleepy, which I didn't know. No. So after I came back from that helicopter deal, I was fine all during that because of my adrenaline and everything. And it was all right. fun and exciting, but I can't, didn't get sick at all. Came back from that, and I, I went to sleep and like slept till it was dark and then got up for a little while, <laughs> ate dinner, fell back asleep, slept all night till late in the morning. <laughs> Dude, that's wild. I know. Got up and did like one activity and had to take a nap. <laughs> you probably felt great the next day, though. Yeah, then I, I'm finally th- all through it. But just a, a warning to those who have never uh, taken that before. That makes you really drowsy. <laughs> a little on the drowsy side. That's yeah. funny, dude. Um, yeah. yeah, so how was the helicopter flight? It was cool, huh? It turns out being really cool, yeah. And so I'm glad that it's something that I can do, and I know I can do it now, and I'm, it's not, you know, I'm not going to get sick or anything. And, uh, did um, you have to hook all that up, or did the client do it? I did all that. Dude, yeah. renting a so, chopper. Yeah, there's all these different places you can call, and I found this place here in Dallas called Epic Helicopters. That's nice. all they do. Um, so uh, was they it have expensive, all their, or was it reasonable? Uh, or? Well, they're the they were the most reasonable of of all the ones that I estimated because they had their own helicopters. So it's not like uh, they had to go get a helicopter from someone else and then pay them. And that, they already have their own helicopter, so they can give them you for a really cheap price and. The smaller the helicopter that you'll fly in, the cheaper uh, the price you get. Right. So um, I, I flew in this one called an R44, which is a four-seater, but it's still really tiny. Yeah. Um, and n- next time I may even fly in one that's called an R22, which is like half the size of that one. It's just a two-seater. Um, but you, you I mean, need to work it up to the Blackhawk, dude. And then work it all the way up to the Blackhawk, which would be really expensive. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just a lot of fun. You just you're sitting there. You got all. You're, of course, you're all strapped in. You're not going anywhere. Yeah. You got your your headset on, so you can you can hear air traffic control and you can hear the pilot and everybody else in the helicopter. You can talk to them clearly. And then um, I had this thing called a gyro on the bottom of my camera that spins spins around so fast that it kind of counteracts all the movement in the helicopter. Oh, that's it balances cool. your camera for you. Right. I mean, right. you probably heard of a gyro when it comes to other stuff yeah. like video. Uh, same deal. Same deal. Yeah, that's very cool, dude. Yeah, and then yeah, so it was just, it, and then I just had, I didn't have a door or anything, so it was just me and the world out there, and uh, it was just really fun. We flew from Fort Worth all the way to Dallas by downtown Fort Worth, downtown Dallas, DFW Airport, all over the place, and uh, nice. just got to see Dallas from a different perspective. So that was cool. That's cool. So you picked it up in Fort Worth, I guess, was the deal. Yeah, 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 that's where yeah we started was in Fort Worth and kind of did a big circle all through the DFW area, then back to Fort Worth. Then just drop you off at the house. Then they just tell you to bail out and you hand <laughs> you hand glide back home. You hand them a check and you hand glide outside. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out of here. <laughs> Thanks. See ya. I uh, love it. That's cool, dude. Cool that's awesome. Ar- you know, architectural photography being something that I do, I've I've been asked in the past to do that, and I, it, nothing's ever gone through before. But this this deal did go through, and um. So I was a little nervous about it because it was something I'd never done. But now that I've done it, it's like uh, this is great. It's something I can add to my arsenal of you know things that I can do for architectural, arch- you know, clients. So yeah, that's awesome, dude. Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah, slick, exciting. I'm not editing this out, dude. I'm gonna leave it in. Oh, good, good. Yeah, for because I'm people. sure there's a lot of people out there who do architectural stuff or have helicopters or or find it interesting about it or something. So yeah, yeah it's a part of photography. Yeah, I would say. 
That's but it's awesome. definitely, you know, having done this once now, um, there's a lot of things that I would do differently next time and, you know, I've kind of learned from. It's like shooting anything for the first time. You get back home, you look at your photos. They're good. The client's going to like them just fine. But there's a lot of things that you would probably do better and yeah, different sure, sure. next time, you know, just like with any project. So, um, yeah, I'm sure I'll get better at it as as I go. Because there, it's it's just like every kind of photography that there is – um, it, they're all so different from, from each other and flying in something that's vibrating that much mm-hmm. in the air in constant movement, you're using a long lens, you're, it's a lot of weight um, there's a lot of variables when it comes to light and stuff like that so oh, sure. it, it's just a big learning curve What time of day did you guys head out? We did it at about, we took off at about 10 because the guy there told me that um, if you took off too early in the morning sometimes the long shadows could be yeah. more distracting than um, you know, an accent to the photo. So that's kind of uh, cool. We took off when the sun was a little higher. That's very cool, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome, man. Well, yeah, dude, I'm glad that turned out well. Maybe you can go with me sometime. Hey, and we'll see, if, see if you throw up. I'll uh, I'll be your assistant. I'll, sh- I'll schlep <laughs> your gear. It'll rule, dude. Yes. Yeah. No, that does sound fun, actually. It yeah, I don't fun. know if I get sick in the air. I get sick in the water when I go on boats. Yeah, this this isn't like that. The only time that the helicopter rocked was when we flew across DFW Airport. We a, a big old um, American Airlines you know <laughs> plane had just gone by, and we went through its wake. Um, oh, nice! Yeah, and so the whole helicopter rocked pretty hard. Wow! But uh, that was the only time that you know you felt any kind of movement like that. Other than that, it wasn't it wasn't bad at all. It's pretty smooth. Yeah, I was yeah. just saying you probably had great weather this week for it too. Yeah, and it was beautiful weather. So. Yeah. Yeah. There, are, there are worse ways to earn a buck. Exactly. No, it's a lot of fun. I hope to do it. I hope to do it a lot more. So, well, this kind of segues into our topic, actually. Yeah. Clients, estimates, and contracts. That, that sounds like a title of a book. It does. It sounds like a legal book or something. <laughs> well, clients, estimates. Well, you got to get a client. You don't want to read. <laughs> yeah. But unfortunately, we have to talk about it because it's a huge part of our job. So. Well, it is, and it was interesting because uh, how did I, I kind of the idea hit? I was talking to somebody, and I'm blanking on who it was, but anyway, they were talking about you know wedding contracts, and you know it it kind of goes back to the the argument of do you give your raw files and stuff like that. Some people do, some people don't. Um, and so I thought, you know, well, that is interesting because, like, all that stuff, whether you do or don't or whether you charge for it or not, does have to be spelled out um, somehow, you know, whether you're doing, you know, it, it's, I don't know if you ever do work orders. Most of yours are a little more contractual, but, uh, you know, work orders are, like, for smaller things, I guess, where somebody just needs, like, one little thing that, you know, there's not a lot of check-in on. But um, but it's all the kind yeah, of the same thing. Mine, mine's usually an estimate to the client that they right. sign off on. Um with all as many details included in there as possible, um, and then kind of a back end terms and conditions, you know, second page of my contract. Yeah, and you just paste uh, that into everything. Kind of covering myself, covering all my bases. Yeah. Um, so that I'm not, I don't get screwed somehow in the end. Yeah, and it's always like, you know, when I freelance, it's always one of the hardest things to like. It's basically what you want to do in the perfect world is just hand that to somebody and have them say, okay, sign it and go, you know. Mm-hmm. But usually they have to go throw it through other people and then they're going to read it and we got to have our thing and, you know. so there's... Yeah, and I think like when we're even talking about this today, you and all your knowledge of the of when you were a freelancer for a long time right. and, and you dealing with design and, and web design, it's a very similar process at, to photography except for the, the few things that photography might deal with that, you know, you don't deal with in design. Or, right, or that are specific. 
but you're still going after specific clients. You're still uh, giving them an estimate for their project. You're still competing with at least two other people for the project. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you're still trying to cover yourself when it comes to all things legal and, you know, giving them what they, what they want and, but also, you know, making the right amount of money for it and trying to find out what that is and all those kind of things. It's, it's, it is like what you just said, one of the toughest parts of, of my job, me doing this five years now, um, this is still something I struggle with and will keep learning how to do, but I don't know if I will ever be perfect at it. And, and you have to, on top of that, also deal with be, not getting ex- super excited about jobs that you think are really cool and you would love to be a part of and then losing losing the job due sure. to, to the estimating process. Because it happens, yeah. And then going with another client for because the other client's either more talented or the majority of the time because the other client's cheaper. Or who knows? I mean, yeah, there's a variety knows? of things. You know, right. But I, yeah, you're right. I mean, I think that number two is usually the top reason. But, but it, Yeah, I think it usually is, which is... Well, we're starting in the middle here, but I think... Yeah, I let, think that, we'll go back to the... Let's go back to the... Well, yeah, just to say, though, I mean, I, I think it's... Uh, yeah, we can go back, but, you know, I mean, it, I think that is the hardest because you don't get paid for that time, and it, but it's part of the job. Like, you can't right. do the work until you do all that stuff, and that, that's what makes it really difficult. I'll tell you what, real, just real quickly. Yeah. I just spent... Um, this is something that I'm learning firsthand a lot. I've, I mean, in, in, in my little photography career here, I've lost a lot of jobs uh, already to estimates and a lot of that I was really excited about. And one in particular recently was a six-month process mm. of estimates, meetings, phone calls, uh, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And in the end, I got a call that said, sorry, but they went with someone cheaper. <laughs> you love it, and I started sharpening my knife. <laughs> Actually, yeah, I know. My, the last one that I did before I started working full time, before I took the full time job, mm-hmm. was a photography thing for the. I don't know if I ever told you this. It was for the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, cool! And yeah, it was it was weird how I got hooked into that. But anyway, basically, what the deal was is they wanted. It was it would have been a really cool thing for me. They wanted somebody to document the building of the new stadium when they started that. And so, yeah, it was like, I think it was like a two or three year long project. Um, it was for a lot of money. And I mean, there was just no way you could do it cheaper. Uh, and, and it would have been cool because, I mean, they wanted, they kind of wanted a vintage look to some of them, kind of a retro look. So they wanted to use film, everything from film to digital. And it ran the gamut. And like, literally, you would have been out there four days a week for a couple of years. Wow. And I don't remember what the deal was in the end. I think they went with somebody who was a little bit cheaper, actually, is what the deal was. But, you know, it also brings us to the other point, though. It's, it's like, I mean, you know, as, as crushing as it was to lose that, because, man, they had me. It was also one of those things where you, I could never talk to the people that were holding the purse strings and making that's, the final that's decision. That's the hardest thing. When you can talk one-on-one, it's so much better than when you're going through somebody who's yeah. talking to someone else. Because then can't. there's a question I can answer and not right. like have to go through translation, you know. Right. Anyway, it was it was a it was a big pain. I don't, yeah, I don't remember what the deal was. It was they were either cheapers at somebody that had a friend of a friend kind of deal, and they went with them. But anyway, it was it was unfortunate because I know I could have done it better than the person they chose. But um, but yeah, it's it was very disheartening, and you know yada yada. And at but, the same time, like you were about to say, is the, the the thing that you have to consider is though, would you have done it for what the other person no, you know got no, it for? No, no, no. Would you have and, done and, it for that? cheap yeah would i'm you, glad you said would that you have too. worked that hard 
to, for that amount of money? And yeah, usually I mean, that no answer way. is no. Yeah, and that's when you, you you feel okay with it because yeah, I mean there was there really I mean I did the math a hundred different ways, and it's mm-hmm. like you know if I'm gonna one if you're gonna make any profit on it, I mean because there were expenses involved, and mm-hmm. two it's like yeah, I mean it's just not worth it to do it cheaper because I would have spent three years on that and been pretty miserable if it right you know, exactly so. exactly if you don't feel comfortable about the price up front, you're not going to feel any more comfortable about it as the project goes on and, and you become tired. Well, and so, I will say that is a maturity thing. I mean, you learn that after a while because when I started out, I took some stuff just because I needed the work so bad. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and you, you learn the hard way. And we've that. talked mm-hmm. about that before too, is if, if you really want to do something um, and you don't have any pictures in your book, you know, if you do it for really cheap or free, that's okay at that point because you're building your book. But once your book's built, and, 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 you know, you're comparing apples to apples with other people. There's no reason you should take a job for free or cheap because yeah. you've put in your time. You've done the work. You have a portfolio now. Now it's just about your skill level and what you're willing to charge for it. Well, it should probably go without saying, too, I would never do a three-year project for free. <laughs> no, of course not. Yeah. you got to make not. sure there's smaller, sane things that you could actually, you know, not yeah. really enjoyably, but you could pull off for free. Well, right. and that should probably bring us around to at the actual beginning of this. It's like, okay, so, you know, you want to do this. Where do you start? Like, what, mm. what, what's the first thing? I mean, you got to go find clients. And so if you don't know anybody... You know, what did you do? You knew people when you started out. Well, not really. I mean, people think that, but um, I, I had been in advertising for for ten years. That's why I so, assume that. So yeah. yeah, so I knew I knew some people, but I didn't really know en- enough people to say that I could get my c- career started with. Right. So uh, my whole photography career started with people and jobs that I really didn't really didn't know. Um, it wasn't like I went back to Holt Design, the the company that I worked for, and anything, and started hitting them up for a bunch of jobs or any of the other. You know companies that I worked for around. No one gave, no one from that field gave me any jobs. Mm. I had one friend um, who worked at a commercial real estate place, and she gave me a few jobs doing some commercial real estate work. You know, photography wise, mm. and and so that was one person I knew. But everybody besides that was all brand new business. Mm. So um, so you know, I started just like anybody else would, pretty much with uh, some some knowledge of the industry. But besides that, no real contacts. Um, Except for people that might vouch for me or write a testimonial for me and say what a great designer I was, which really wouldn't matter. <laughs> well, sure, <laughs> yeah. <a> photographer. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, so and that's by true. saying you start from in the beginning by targeting the clients that you want, whatever kind of whether you're excited because they're a certain kind of agency, or they have a certain type of reputation, or they do a certain level of work, or they do a certain type of work that you want to get into photographically. Yeah, something you would want to associate with, you know. Right. So, I would, you know, what I would what I did in the beginning and, w- and what I would suggest doing is s- sit down, start thinking, who do I want to work with? What kind of businesses do I want to work with? What kind of photography do I want to do? Where do I want my career to go and then start making a list of those companies. Especially especially I mean, you start locally. Yeah, no, that's exactly what I did back in the day, yeah. Yeah. It's like, okay, yeah. if I could pick the clients, who would they be? And then you start writing down names, you know. Right. And then you make a massive, massive list. <laughs> yeah, you make a massive list. And then once you have, and then once you have the, the names of those companies, then you have to find out who the people are within those companies that are going to make a decision about hiring you. Yeah, and then that's where the research starts kicking in. Yeah. And that's hard to do because it's, it, it's kind of – it's almost different for every one of them. But, I mean, it's definitely different. 
in in the broad range, you know, because some some kind, of, you know, depending on the size of the company, they may have an in-house art director. Um, you know, it just all depends. And then that's when I mean, at least for me, I kind of started cold calling and doing my research. And then that adds another layer of complexity onto it because you usually have a gatekeeper. And when you say, "Excuse me, who's your marketing director?" and they, you know, don't want to tell you, or because they would, get that would you a lot. do that? Would, did you re- actually do that? Did you actually call? Yep, physically called. Cold okay, called. wow. I mean, this yeah, was I- also a long time ago, man. This was like. Oh gosh, what year was that? Was, Before so much internet was involved. Yeah, ninety eight, maybe ninety seven, somewhere in there. In about ninety seven, I guess. Yeah, and I mean, internet was involved, but people's websites were different. Uh, a lot of that information went up there. Staff directories were more rare, and yeah, I mean, nobody was doing the social media back then. And people, people were talking on the phone a lot more than they are now. Yeah, I mean, I hated it. It was awful. I mean, it, it, yeah, because I hate that too, and I never yeah. do. Well, it's nerve wracking. You're not comfortable. You don't want to do it. You feel like a schmuck, you know. Right. And it's like, and you know, I mean, at work, I get calls sometimes now, and and you kind of get used to a certain kind of call when they're talking a certain way, you know. Mm-hmm. I need to know who's in charge of such and such, and you're like, what are you selling? Because we're not interested, you know. If it's that kind of person, I'm gone. But if it's if it's another person, like, hi Wade, I'm so and so, and I'm interested in photography. I go to UNT, and I'm oh, that's different. Yeah, learning totally. how to get into the business, or then I'm willing to talk, you know. Yeah. Sure, but I mean the difference is is that you know somebody who's a student I might not have work for, but right. but yeah, I just meant at, you know when you're working at a company and you know you you kind of get a f- feel for the types of calls. So somebody called in and I got that feeling I probably would shut it down. So I mean I've seen both sides of it. And it is hard, but I mean yeah, nobody was doing social media back then. Um, Flickr was really thought of as this real amateur thing at the time <laughs> that. Right. I, I don't know. It was just all over the place. And so, you know, what it really was was, you know, I'd like to basically if I could get the person on the phone back then, it was like I'd like to just schedule, you know, keep it brief, 20 or 30 minutes of your time, if you uh-huh. don't mind, to come show you my book and show you what I do. Yeah. And then you can start a conversation. And actually, that turned into a few jobs that and actually there were several relationships out of there that lasted years. Sure. Uh, and it worked. But I mean, it's. It's it, and it's not that it's just demandingly hard, but I mean it was just emotionally hard to work up the nerve to cold call. I mean I hated it; it was awful. Um, well, that's why one of the things that I do um, after I kind of target certain businesses that I that I want to go after or that I'd like to work for is as I find out the the decision maker there on who's got, who does the hiring for photographers right. at at all of the kind of commercial places that I do work for. It, it, it's usually a marketing department. It's usually someone called a marketing manager or a marketing somebody in yeah. charge. You can so say who's in charge of your marketing department, right? You yeah, so you. it'll be like a marketing manager. You know, here there's usually one per city, so there'll be one for Dallas, and that's your target right there. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to advertising agencies, it's the creative director. Um, I mean, art directors sometimes make decisions too, but the final decision is going to come from the creative director at an agency. Um, magazines, photo editors—that's the person that that you're going after. So you know, you can. Um, magazines are kind of one of the easier ones to find because you can actually go on their website and it'll say photo editor so and so, or you can take one of their magazines off the shelf at the bookstore and it'll say photo editor. You're right in the right in the front. There you, know, you go. Take a little yeah. picture of that with your camera phone and go back home and start doing some more research. But yeah, just start making a list of names. Now you've got companies. Now you've got names, and um, you know now you, it, the the third thing I try to do is connect with them online. Once I once I know who they are, it's and like via email. Of, yeah, most of the time through. Well, most of the time I'll try to connect with them through like LinkedIn or something like that, something professional like that. Sure. Yeah. Um, 
you know, and and that way now you've got a connection online, and from there then I you know you you'll have your their email address, and from there you can follow up with an email, kind of like your cold call was saying, "Hi, I'm Wade. Uh, thanks so much for for making me a connection on LinkedIn. Um, I'd love to you know shoot for your for your company at some point. If you ever have anything you know, I could work on, let me know, and maybe include like." Um, you know, well, of course, a link to your website, but include maybe like a small JPEG of some photo that might relate to something they do. You know, yeah, yeah, email. that's a really good idea, actually. Yeah, yeah. So Boy, this was way before LinkedIn when I was doing. It. <laughs> it's like you I know, give link, anything yeah, for that. LinkedIn is. I think LinkedIn has been great, and it's been so helpful to 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 my career to finding the right businesses and finding the right people that work at those businesses and making an initial connection with them. Right. And then from there being able to get an e- email address and then, you know, it's, it's, it's just kind of baby steps all the way up to the client, but kind of getting them comfortable. Okay. They've seen you on LinkedIn. Now they've received an email from you, you know, and, and they've kind of maybe even gone to your website and then you can even follow up again later with uh, you know, a phone call or, or you know, trying to set up some kind of appointment to go in and talk to them, like you said. Yeah, go in and show your book. Let me ask you this because it may have changed since since I did it too. But I mean, how? Like, typically, I had people. I mean, th- th- like this whole process we're talking about can take like sometimes six months, a year, even like after the initial contact. Yeah, um, you know, it's like okay, and and people like the better ones that would be honest with you on the phone. I mean, I remember having one guy say, "Look, um, we have closed our marketing budget for the rest of our fiscal year, so feel free to call me next May." And I'd write it down and, yes, sir, thank you, I appreciate it, you know. Um, And I don't know how fast your turnover rate is on stuff, but, like, I mean, it probably depends client to client. But, like, let's say you make a contact with somebody on LinkedIn, you send them the initial email, they say, hey, yeah, thanks for your email, you know, do you start working for them right away ever? Or does that usually take a couple emails just to remind them or how? Yeah, I think, you know, it's like – it's different for everybody. Some people aren't going to ever respond. Right. Some people are going to respond in a year, and some people are going to respond the same day. Mm-hmm. So uh, you you better your chances by the more people that you hit up. You sure. definitely don't uh, go after the one uh, guy at Nike and then sit around and hope that job come that he calls you back so that you know you make a living that year. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's not going to work. <laughs> no, you hit up you hit up hundreds of people over a few weeks and some of those are going to some of those are going to email or call you back and have a project for you and that's what's going to get you through those few weeks to the next weeks when you're hitting up more people and um your network starts your network starts to grow because of the work you do for them they tell other people word that's how word of mouth starts to spread well who did you use to do this well i used wade Okay, well, I'll give him a call too. I mean, yeah. so the more people you start working for, the more people start calling you because they used you yeah, if you so did a good job. You're just trying to catch a fish in the beginning, you know. You're not exactly in the lake. Uh, that's interesting too because I remember when I was doing this, and I, I remember talking to um, somebody who does marketing full time, and she was like, "Okay, well, you know, let's talk about how people hear of you." And it, it, she always said, "You know, the holy grail is word of mouth. Like if you can get that, that's almost guaranteed work because <laughs> people are going to go off of that kind of recommendation, like from a friend or a colleague or something, much more than they're going to more go than off. any." thing right yeah more than they're going to give somebody a try to go cold you know mm-hmm. uh, especially on a bigger job that where the pressure is higher for that company so like let's say they need some photography for something or another and there's a lot of pressure on it there's a lot of money that's going into it the chances i mean they really want to make sure it's somebody they can trust and right. so those are harder to hire somebody cold with so you know it's like you start small and like you said you're just making connections and people know who you are and that's the most important part well we've um, talked about before your website needing to look awesome yeah your website needs to look awesome and the work there needs to be great it, i mean your work needs to be awesome it, 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 
because if for the people out there that are just doing a Google search, which are rare, right. the people who are just kind of looking for photographers in a certain area or a certain type of photographer, if they come across your website and they know nothing about you, all they have to go on is your work. If it's amazing, that's the one good thing you have going for you. Oh, yeah. But, but most of the time, people it, when you're talking about any kind of project or a big project especially, uh, just like you or I would do if we were working at a company and we want to do something, we're going to call up buddies who might have connections in that industry and we're going to say, who have you ever used for photography for yeah, whatever? exactly. I need this. And they're going to say, you know. right. That, well, we've used Ted before and he did an, he did an awesome job and uh, he was you know quick to get us our photos and he was easy to work with and blah, blah, blah. Okay, great. Well, I'm going to call him, and already you're kind of you've got a, a good you know foot in the door, mm-hmm. and they haven't even called you yet. Um, yeah, so, no, and that's yeah. So, so word of mouth is great. That is interesting that you mentioned that too, because direct. I, I've seen people do this; they get really heavily into like directories online, or you know, the SEO for Google and all that. And I, you know, gosh, I have yet to ever personally or see anybody that I know get a client that found them on a Google search. I mean, you know, it, it does. It happens from time to time because I always try to ask people how they. You've found had it happen, huh? And it, well, mostly if it's like from overseas or something. Okay. You know, for, if somebody from the UK or somebody is trying to find somebody in Dallas, they might ah, not have a connection a all different. the way through. So, so in that case, they might Google something like "architectural photographer Dallas." But you know, so it's good to have that. Mm-hmm. It's it's good to have that. But I would say that's not where the majority of your work's going to come from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, mean, it's it, not something it can never more. hurt. But yeah. I just hate to see people relying on that. It, it's just weird because it's like I mean, what I always found out, you know, freelancing tends to be feast or famine. Sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, you go through periods where you have more work than you can handle and you can't keep up with it. And you'll have another period where there's nothing coming in. You're wondering how bills are going to get paid. But, yeah. um, you know, it, it, I, I, I've seen people like, you know, in that situation where they're on the famine side of that and, you know, to try to. I, I don't know. Sometimes I think it's just doing things to stay busy, feeling like they're working on it. I mean, and that's the whole thing is the marketing and the whole networking thing is a full time job, you know. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, just put put. I think lunch with somebody and showing them your book is yeah, you just have, have such a better chance at doing that than than hanging out doing. Oh, you're so right. You know, I mean, like it, what I've really realized is that making personal connections, yes, uh, personal human contact connections, not. Not anything online, not email, nothing like that. S- setting through those emails, setting up uh, even ten minutes. Just say, "Can I you know, have ten minutes with you?" Or you know, w- whatever amount of time you can get with them to sh- to, sh- to show your book and talk to them in person right. about what projects they have going on it can go so far. Because once someone has met you in person and and y'all shaking hands and and you've sat down and seen each other face to face and had a laugh and you've showed them your book and you're a human to them now. Um, then when a project comes around, they're gonna they're gonna remember you, and, right. and you know they're gonna see you as a human being that you know instead of this person that just was emailing them or whatever. Yeah, no, I think yeah. that's well, that, and I think that can be extended to anything in life, really. But yeah, certainly, you know, and which kind of but it is so important in, in this day and age when we're just all so comfortable with emailing and staying behind our computers the whole time yes. and really not wanting to get out and get dressed and go to a meeting. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, it, seriously, yeah, out, yeah, but we're like that. We're well, it's easier to shoot an email, you know, exactly. Uh, but no, really getting out there. And, out, and so I really focused on that, that this year. If you can put together an awesome iPad portfolio or an awesome printed book like I did this year, I've had more meetings this year than in all the years that I've done this so far because I put that new book together. Yep. And I've actually to got to meet people in person, and it's been super rewarding. And, it, you know, um, jobs already coming from it and things like that. So, so yeah, that's a huge part of it. Yeah. No, I think that's that's. 
that's the way to do it. I mean, it kind of brings us into what we were talking about earlier, though. The middle part is okay. So let's say you do land somebody who's interested in you. Typically, I mean, I guess it can happen where somebody says, "Okay, we'd like your work, and uh, what do you charge to do this?" But typically. You're going to ask, and I don't know if they're still calling it this, but it used to be, well, and we call it at the museum, but it's still an RFP, which is a request for proposal. Mm-hmm. And so basically what they'll do is they'll they'll call you and they'll say, let's say I have, I'm hiring Wade for a job or I'm thinking about it. And I'll call up Wade and I'll say, hey, Wade, okay, here's the deal. I've got this job and here's all it entails. And I'll try to give him some details that he knows to go off of. And then he's going to have to write up some kind of written proposal that talks about how much it's going to cost and where that money goes. And, you know, it's the proposal. And typically... Um, they will go ask two or three people to they'll and they're usually required by their company to go to get two or three bids to at, to at least it. right yeah and so then you're into the fun part which is the writing of all that stuff and competition one of the things I always used to have a problem with and it's it's not I mean don't ever feel bad about doing this but sometimes they don't really give you enough to go off of so you have to ask very specific questions mm-hmm. and the longer you've done it the easier that becomes to know what to expect and like early on you probably make some mistakes because there'll be a couple things you didn't think about <laughs> you know that right. might even cost you money in the end and and you know you chalk it up to experience and but even as it. you think as you think about them throughout the process you can go ahead and just hit them up then don't oh, be yeah, afraid sure. to do that instead of wait till the very end and say oh i wish i would have asked them that about that you no, know yeah call the marketing director immediately leave a message and said hey you know it's said i need i need help with such and such because i've got two questions about this proposal i want to be specific on and you know usually they're happy to to, to oblige at that point and uh-huh. you know sometimes they are just looking for the cheapest bid but the thing is is like we were saying earlier for a number of reasons you can't like just try to do that to get where and i know people no, who do no you can't no you can't it's weird you know yeah because well then you're, you're just you're just always scrambling for the for the you know the bottom of the pile it's just it, it's you're just not feeding yeah yeah you're bottom feeding and and you really you you want the best work that you can out there that you can do and you want to do it for what you're worth what you feel you're worth you don't want to always just be bidding the lowest to, to try to get jobs because those are the kind of jobs that you'll always end up getting so well and here's uh, another like couple said, things. some are worth losing and a couple of things that happen when when you're doing the bottom feeding thing like that okay you're cutting your costs down so you're probably going to tie your own hands behind your back about some things that you probably could have done that would have been cool mm-hmm. but you're cutting costs for them mm-hmm. and whether that be equipment rental or you know you're talking about the helicopter thing earlier just say well uh, I'll just get a ladder well that's right. not going to be as cool as that. <laughs> you know what I mean carry it all over town it's the name of the show now let's get a ladder <laughs> yeah or or I'll just go in an adjacent building I mean you know there are sure there are ways to cut costs on that but are they going to be as neat and is the shot going to be as neat right. and and those aren't the kind of people you want to work for because in the long run, you're going to want to do your your best work and you're going to want to associate with better things than the people who just go for the cheapest bid. So, and it, I mean, People are going to associate you with a certain thing too. Ted is right. this kind of photographer. Wade is this kind of person. And that, that can be Wade is the cheapest photographer you, in town. Yeah, you don't want or that. Or that can be Wade is the the best – one of the best photographers in town. He's not the cheapest but he's yeah. one of the best. But you don't want him thinking, okay, gosh, we got this job with no budget. Oh, call Wade. He'll do it. Right. He'll do a good job. Right. But we always yeah, use him on the cheap guy, stuff. Yeah. He'll probably make pretty decent living, but I don't want to be that guy. And I, I don't think too many photographers who really care about their work and their craft and their photos and themselves want to be that either. Yeah. No. That, that, uh, 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 not me. 
but this but this whole estimating process is a tough go. Um, <laughs> when you're in the design world, one of the things that you have going for you is that there's all these like designer bibles that say if you're a graphic designer and you've been doing graphic design for five years, this is what you charge for letterhead. I mean, we have those are those kind of yeah. things exist out there for the design world. Those kind of things do not really exist for the photography world. It, not as in, in abundance or in as clear cut in any way as, as they did in the design world. So when I was a design uh, freelancer, uh, it would be kind of easy for me. Somebody would hit me up for letterhead. I'd go to my uh, to my book that told me how to ch- how much I should charge for letterhead for a company that size. Boom! That was that was my estimate. Now so many other factors go into it that you have to see. You have to think about. Covering your your overhead, what you need what you need to make a year, what you need to make a month, um, how much you need to charge, um, what 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 the project is, what size the company is, how large the project is, how, how what it's going to be seen is it going to be just on the web, print, TV, you know, whatever is it going to be just in Texas? Is it going to be nationwide? Is it going to be worldwide? You know, so these are all factors that have to, that play into into estimating for a few years i just went by a basic hour rule you know sure you could do and well and you should do that at some point what is your time worth you know right yeah but you know an hour that even gets complicated because if you you have all different size businesses from a mom and pop shop or a good friend who's just coming to you for kind of a favor deal all the way up to huge companies like microsoft and nike and if you're mm-hmm. charging by the hour <laughs> and Nike's yeah, going to use your photos, run them worldwide in commercials, and your friend's going to use them to to advertise in the window of his store. Then that hour rate doesn't make any sense. Yeah, anymore. it's just different. I think the hour rate definitely um, it keeps you. It's for me, it was always an anchor to like, okay, you know, my time is worth this, and this person is asking for something that's less than half of that. It, you know, it gave me like a better guide of when to say no to certain types of. You know, that's just I cannot do that. You know, right? Um, it definitely but I think, helped. I think there, the but hourly right. thing is a good, like you're saying, a good uh, jumping point, a good yeah. starting point. To say, okay, this is about what I usually charge per hour. This is, or, or for a half day, or for a full day. This project's going to take me this amount of time, so it's at least this amount of money. But you're right; that's, that's just for the for the labor on it. That's not for the usage, which is something that's completely right, different. Right. Yeah. That's just for the shooting time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, you start thinking about things like usage, and and and. You know, there are some books and some things out there. What what I do for usage when it becomes a usage thing on a big project is I have a, a rep that um, I work with uh, called Wonderful Machine, and they have really helped me with a lot of big estimates when it comes to large size companies and That's usage. Cool. Because it's just it's just kind of out of my league at that point, and so I want they can kind of advise you on it. To they so they can to, advise me on it. Know. So. Um, there's advisors, you know. You, if you don't, if you have somebody that you can work with, like Wonderful Machine, that's great. If not, there's there's people called producers almost in every single city uh, that you live in, and those producers uh, do just that. They can help you produce an entire job. Um, so they starting with the estimate. So you you know they'll take a they, you may have to pay them for however many hours it takes them to put the estimate together and work with the client. But at the same time, you don't have to focus on that, and that's something that they're that they do for a living. So they're going to be better at that than you. So you can hire a producer to put together an, an estimate for you if it's if it's something above what you're used to, or you can you know there, I have a I have software too called Pro uh, Pro Photo, and um, I'm sorry Photo Quote with an F, 
and um, <laughs> I was just all over the place. No, it's just funny how that ended up photo quote with an F. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, awesome. it's photo quote. F-O-T-O. And it's software that, that kind of gives you some guidelines on what to charge for certain type of jobs. You know, one thing you mentioned too, because you know that that was always like you know when uh, you mentioned to me when we were just talking one time a long time ago when you'd start gotten wrapped up with with wonderful machine. I think one of the things that really helps, and I think it's traditionally with things that are usually like one man shows, like being a photographer, being an illustrator, or you know whatever it is you do, map guy or calligrapher. You know, one thing that's hard is like you know you're pitching stuff and you're trying to play ball with somebody who's either an agency or company or studio or something like that. And I, I mean personally, I think that like when you have representation, whether it be Wonderful Machine or whether you're working with a producer and you have more than just you involved, mm-hmm. I think it's easier to start getting into a little bit different dollar bracket than just like if it's one person. Because, I, I mean, I've heard people say, well, you know, this guy's just one guy. Why is he charging so much? This is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like they don't see that you have to hire other things and that you have expenses as you go along. But sometimes when there's more people involved up front, sometimes that, well, one, it'll take the pressure off you, you too. And two, it, like you said, it helps when you're getting into like, you know, if you're doing something for Frito-Lay and it's a worldwide ad campaign or something like that, right. um, you know, you need to be charging a different rate for that, which is much higher than, like you said, something that's just in a storefront or, you know. Yeah, and it's, it, 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 it's also the fact that someone's speaking on your behalf yes. instead of you speaking for yourself and saying, well, this is what I want and this is what I charge and this is what I'm worth. And all that sounds really, you know, hard, <laughs> hard yeah. to do and hard to say. But when someone else does it, it's not that big of a deal. They're saying, well, Wade, you know, this is what Wade's worth and um, this is what he's shot. And, you know, this is this is what we're going to charge because this is what he needs. And um, it's easier for someone to speak on your behalf. And 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 they're more of professionals at, at it doing that specific job of, of putting together estimates than you are. They know all the rules and regulations and what things are worth. Uh, it's funny and, how psychological that is, too. Cause like, you it know, is when, psychological, well, yeah. We, you came up to the museum and we were going to do the show that day, and we, you just had your logo done. We were talking about how hard it is to do logos for yourself, you know. Right. Even if you – like, I could do a logo for somebody else, no problem. It, like, and it's the same thing with selling. Like, I could go sell you, but mm-hmm. I'd have a hell of a time. <laughs> you know? it's just, it, you're so right. It's so much easier to do almost anything for someone else. Yeah, it always is. And, yeah. and so estimating is the same way. Now, when it comes to, to people that I've worked with here in the past or, or local people or the type of work that I'm used to doing, like this architectural work, then a lot of times I will start with uh, either a half-day or a full-day rate and then think about other expenses such as my equipment, travel time, um, am I going to need an assistant, post-production, how much post-production and retouching is there is going to be involved all of those things, and I'll, mm-hmm. I, and I can put together an estimate myself that way, and you know just then, then include your state sales tax things like that, and and, and throughout you know if, if it's a smaller estimate like that, I, I do those kind of things all the time because um, you do, obviously do you list those out like if if you need an assistant for a job that's on the estimate exactly it's itemized yeah yeah so it's yeah, assistant because, you know. a person you doesn't want to ever get an estimate. Um, you know, maybe web design is, is different, but even they're going to want it broken down. No, in a certain it category. always wants it broken down. Yeah, yeah. Usually, everybody wants it broken down to see what they're paying for, and so you know, you'll have assistant three hundred dollars, post production, whatever it is, um, shooting or you know, shoot time, whatever it is. Um, so yeah, travel, all these different things will be broken down into categories and then come to a to a grand total, and um, 
and then you just can start from there. That can be your a talking point. But one of the very first questions that I always ask, and I don't know if everybody does this, but I'm comfortable with doing this, and it's something that can sometimes cut out a lot of the crap and a lot of the time, is when you very first start – when you're talking to that client the very first time, either through email or if they call you up just out of the blue on the phone, you can just say, do you have a set budget for this project? Do you have a, a budget range that you're trying to work within if so, let me know what that is, and, and then I can tell you what I can do within that range. Yeah, that's actually a great way to start because what you're not going to be able to do is ever guess into it. Right. Um, and, and, well, there's, there's a couple of things that happen. I mean, if they can give you that budget range straight away, mm-hmm. then, like, sometimes that, that can, like, narrow it down real quick because it's like there's no way I'm going to even consider working for that because sometimes you get that. And if you don't ask that question, can you imagine all the hours you're going to spend putting invoices together and fooling around? And if you miss to, it. Yeah, it, just to find then, out they were cheaping, you know. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, so I, I just always ask that up front. Do you have a budget for this? A lot of times there'll be no, like they're kind of clueless too. So, you know, so when they get their three estimates, then they're, then they're having to make a decision. Are we wanting to go with the best person here or are we wanting to go with the cheapest person here? And that may be a decision that they make at the very end even. Well, let's let's try to save some money here, and this guy's ten thousand dollars cheaper. Let's go right. with him. His work's still pretty good. You know, it, what's funny is like every time it, you ever well, if our listeners outside the U.S. won't know what we're talking about, but on cable there's Home and Garden Television, HGTV, right? And you know, it's like Property Brothers and all those shows, and yeah. they always like you know, here's the estimate, here's the time span, and they give like a dollar figure broken into three sections, and it'll be done in five weeks. And then they get into the, you know, they don't show you anything else. It, it yeah. makes it look like it's that simple. Then they get into this thing, and then there's broken plumbing and all the stuff they didn't account for. <laughs> oh, something always goes wrong. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, I mean, and actually that happens in real life too, you know. Sure, yeah. Um, I mean, and, and you have to think about that when you're estimating too is um, what could possibly go wrong? What could possibly lead to more work or this lasting longer than I thought? Yeah. And and those are things that you would build into what we were going to talk about last, which is your terms and conditions, which yes. is uh, very important. How much you know? How much work you're saying you're going to do for this price, and then beyond that, you're charging either by the hour or by the task or by the whatever it is to do to do more work. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that stuff you definitely have to put in up, up front, or else people are just going to work you to death and say, "Well, you never said." You never said you wouldn't retouch all 1,000 photos. Four times. And I'm still not happy. I mean, seriously, they, they will do that, too. I mean, not everybody, exactly. but there are people that will. Exactly. One, of my, one of my nightmares was, I won't say who it was, but it was a job, and it was not in this country. Um, but uh, I was working overseas with somebody, and, yeah, it turned into that. And I was kind of warned that they were funky like that ahead of time, and I really didn't have it in my terms and conditions. In fact, this was the only time I ever had, well, one of a couple times I ever fired a client because they were just a pain in my butt. Um, but yeah, what happened was, uh, you know, we'd, we'd done, uh, we'd done the work. Um, this was actually a web project that I'd done a long uh-huh. time ago. I had, you know, built this entire website. It was photography based, but I was not the photographer. My friend Keith was, and you know, we got all this stuff done. It was exactly the scope. It looked great. I mean, we were really happy with it and they were at first and boy, talk about, it was one of those things where it was a cultural difference and a company difference. You mm-hmm. couldn't ever talk to the guy in charge. It was just unacceptable. So I always had to deal through his assistant. And then she like just pulled this thing on me where she called me. They'd never paid time to, or paid attention to time change and, and you know, 
what time zone they were in. So they call me <laughs> at like 4.30 in the morning. Awesome. And, oh, I had gone nocturnal to do this job. I and mean, it was a huge job. It was my only client. So I was staying up all night and sleeping in the day. Oh, my gosh. Which was fun for about a week. And then, it, you know, all your yeah. friends call up and they're like, you want to go to happy hour? And you're like, dude, it's not even lunch. What are you talking about? <laughs> um, so anyway, so that, that was a problem. And finally, you know, then they wanted, they said, well, we're going to have to redo the whole thing. And I said, that's fine. I can do whatever you want. But you need to understand that it will be a new project at this point because I have turned in everything I'd asked for. Oh, I don't think so. We're not happy with this. And blah, 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 blah. And finally. I mean, they were getting real serious about that. And finally, I just said, look, I will hand over everything I've done. Let's do a final payment on this and let's cancel the contract. And she did. And we were done. It was so relieving. I mean, I was losing. But you got paid for the work that you had already done. I did. And and that was fortunate. Sometimes the situation when it goes bad like that is not. But this is why. And I was a little green at the time and I did not have terms and conditions on there. And, you know, here's what defines. And I got to the point where it's different with web design work, but I would do it in phases. So it's like, you know, phase one is complete when these things are agreed on. And if we have to go into it past this date, um, consider depending on the, I don't remember how I worded it, but it basically it would, you know, we'd have to renegotiate what was paid for in phase one. You know, mm-hmm. uh, photography is a little bit different because it'd have to be a pretty big job to have to phase it like that. But right. Um, yeah, definitely. It'd have to be like, a, like a three or four year project, like you were talking about. Yeah. And I'm probably making this sound more complicated than it needs to be. I mean, what you don't want to do is, is overestimate for an RFP and make it too complicated because mm-hmm. then people don't want to read it. And if the other two guys are more simple then they're going to get the job, you know, well, I think that when it comes to terms and conditions, you, you, you think of it's something that you can come up with one time. Yes. You may have to revise it a little bit here and there, but it's going to be something that stays the same all the time. Yeah. You have a boiler plate kind of file on your computer right you have things that cover you one of the biggest things with me would be um, that i'm going to tell the client that i'm going to i'm going to take you know a certain amount of photos for them Mm -hmm. Um, i'm going to deliver those photos to them and i'm going to have done basic retouching which means that i'm going to crop and sharpen and color correct and things like that if um Yes, if say, you, you already mentioned a term they may not get, which is what is basic retouching. Is that what you're? Yes, and yeah. so you can say basic retouching, and then and you know you can you list them out for what them that like is, that. Yeah. Let, define what that is, um, and then you know so it's up front. Then say if if you, they wanted any more retouching, you can go ahead and charge for that in the estimate. Is there going to be if you're doing headshots for forty people? Is there going to be retouching of all the skin and the hair and the eyes and all that kind of stuff? If there is, then let's go ahead. We'll include that in the estimate. That's up front. Now, if somebody still doesn't like their picture and wants another photo retouched, then you have that in your terms and conditions that anything beyond the very first round of basic retouching or the retouching that you proposed included is going to be this per hour. I don't and think I can imagine anything in photography that would be more critically picked apart than people's own headshots. They definitely that's are. The, yeah, it's yeah. the perfect thing where that you have to cover your butt because it's they will make you re- – they're never going to like it, you know, or right, some people. Right, right. So, you know, you let them choose the photo out of the three or four photos that you took of them. Um, you do the basic retouching to it one time or the full retouching if, that, if they've paid for that. Mm-hmm. And then if they decide they want another photo retouched or whatever, then it's then it's, you know, per photo or per hour for the retouching and so on and so forth. But you just want to cover your extra work. Um, that goes into that. A lot of times, too, depending on the size of the client, um, if it's a smaller client or a smaller budget, I'll just invoice for the whole thing after it's done. But if it's a big project that's that's a lot of money or you're going to have a lot of expenses up front, then I'm going to ask for 50% up front, and that's going to be a part of the contract. And that may have you know, been 
something that was, you you may have done in, when you were doing a lot of web yeah, design yeah, too, yeah. with with big budgets, is a uh, is fifty percent up front. Um, I, um, you're, oh yeah, hang on. I'll just I, I'm gonna I'm gonna IM you something because sorry I cannot stay serious sometimes. Um, <laughs> did, did you did you get the text there? Yeah. Have you seen the story? I'm gonna put a link in the show notes. I'm looking at Here's it. Here's portrait retouching for you. Did you hear about this thing? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, yeah, this church in Spain basically had this, I can't remember who painted it, 19th century painter Elias Garcia Martinez, who uh, they hired somebody to restore the piece and clean it up and do some conservation, and it came out looking like this freaking cartoon character. I saw this on, on like, the world news, <laughs> but they hired this person? Yes. I thought he just, like, graffitied it or something. I just imagine you're, like, talking about retouching portraits, and uh, this is, it should just be photoshopped into a cartoon eventually. Yeah, they made Jesus look like something, just this horrible, this person had no skills, obviously. And- okay, well, here, I'll, I'll yeah, Behold the Man, Echo Homo is the name of the piece. Okay, so it's a fresco, and this was last August, and so I don't remember where it was. It was a 120-year-old fresco from a column inside a Spanish church, and it needed... Uh, you know, a conservator to come out because I think the middle part is all the scuffed up stuff. And basically they'll clean it up to look at like the one on the left. And this person just botched it and turned it into this cartoon. I have never seen something turn into a meme faster on the Internet. I mean, I've seen people with T-shirts of this thing. It's yeah. hilarious because it's so bad. And then get this. Then the conservator tried to sue. I don't remember who was the church or CNN or something because they felt like they should be getting a cut off of all this <laughs> publicity. <laughs> yes. No, I'd be suing this artist who ruined this <laughs> wonderful photo of Jesus because they had no skill. I mean, this is this is rep- misrepresenting yourself as what you can do as a service. This I, is terrible. I, I just think of this when I think of somebody never liking their own portrait and finally you get retouched to the point where you, <laughs> you look like Plastic Man. Cartoon guy over there. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, yeah, so if you want to see this, I'm going to link it up in the show notes. So you'll uh, you'll have it. A better bookmark the, that sermon. A, a couple that. of other things that I wanted to say real quick about the terms and conditions that are that are big deals. Yes, is, is payment time. Um, oh yes, you don't want to wait. I, I mean, when you're a freelancer, uh, and we all know this as freelancers, if you've been one for any amount of time, you need your check uh, as soon as possible after the job is done. So a lot of times I'll say, depending on the project, you know, that I'd like to be paid once, once the files are delivered. Um, most of the time I'll say within 30 days of the invoice or else every, every 30 days after that, you know, I, I'm charging interest. And most people then are, are really good about getting your payment within 30 days. You actually do that? Yeah, definitely. That's, yeah, see, I've never, I, all, I, I never did it myself, but yeah, it was always in the back of my mind. I knew somebody once who, who no, did No, because if you don't, it's another one of those things that if there's no time limit set, set they'll, they'll take forever. Yeah. I, actually, uh, my old neighbor who was a freelancer, she, she did it exactly like you're doing it, but she, she voiced it differently. Uh-huh. So what she would do is like, let's say, okay, and, and so typically in the U.S. anyway, um, in the business, they refer to that as net 30 or net 60 or net 90. Right. That's what it means is right. you'll have the net payment of the job within 30 days, 60 days, or 90 days. Mm-hmm. The problem is is that at one point, I think back in the 80s, uh, you know, when my dad was, was doing his thing, he, uh, nobody could ever prove it, but a lot of these companies that are doing net 90 – what would I mean? They're having your money in a savings account, and they're making ninety days of interest off of it before they pay you. So I mean, so I never do net ninety. Net ninety is awful. Would, I've maybe rarely done. If someone's if it's net sixty, it's because someone has fallen behind. 
Mine mm-hmm. is always net 30. My, my idea is that no matter what size company you are, you shouldn't be doing this project with me if you don't have the money that you can pay me, pay me in, in 30 mm-hmm. days. Yeah, and you'd be surprised. They'd do it anyway. Well, my friend Stephanie, she did this thing where she did exactly what you're doing, but she would take the 90-day price, mm-hmm. and she would say, uh, figure out what percent the 30-day price was and say, if you pay your bill within the first 30 – if you pay, if I get paid within the first 30 days, I'll knock 10% off your bill. Yeah. I don't know if that's the way to go or not, but it was a really polite way of, of spinning the same thing rather than uh-huh. say, I'm charging you interest, you know. Yeah. It's always like you could save if you do this, you know. My um, invoice actually right there by the grand total price says payment due upon receipt. Um, absolutely. There's because, no reason. Because yeah. I get bills every day that say the exact same thing on them. Yep. <laughs> so well, I don't know why, why I can't do that. And then in my terms and conditions on my second page, I, I'll say, you know, the, the final payment is due with at least 30 days of invoice or I start charging interest. What's, what's interesting is when you, when you, if, whenever you freelanced and, like, you're the business, basically, mm-hmm. it's amazing the difference that, like, you value certain things as opposed to somebody who's working for the man and spending someone else's money. Because it's like I wouldn't even think about hiring a contractor or anything unless I had the money to pay them right then and there. Of course. And it's why on earth would they gamble that? that? Yeah, I don't. I don't get it. Like, what's going to change in ninety days? You know, exactly. Yeah, money come raining in from. <laughs> oh yeah, I think so. No, I'd be. In fact, I'd be very skeptical of any business that's talking to you like that. Like, and once we get paid, we'll pay you. Uh, that, I've had that, that happen. Be like red flag that goes up. That means we don't have the money. We'll probably never have the money, and you're probably never going to get paid. Yeah, you can't so. do that. No, that's basically saying we're robbing Peter to pay Paul right now. Exactly. You know? Yeah, and, and you're yeah, Paul. So, you know, so if it, if it's a large amount of money, or you've never worked with a company to before, fifty percent up front is standard and not a big deal at all, and it shouldn't be a big deal. It's yeah, because you're going to have costs saying, you need to cover. You know? Right. Here's some money to cover what you need to cover. We trust each other. Um, we're going to pay you some up front because we you know trust you and we trust that you're going to do a good job and deliver the photos and once you do then we'll pay you the rest that's so, a handshake yeah yeah that 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 shouldn't be a big deal at all if anybody really balks at that then maybe you should rethink even doing business with them because there's well, something wrong there i used to i used to put that in fact I, yeah i never had a problem with it but it, it always felt like the right thing to do for me to initiate the job with that so saying mm-hmm. okay so here's the time schedule that we're working on upon receiving the deposit we enter we, this, these three things happen or whatever it is. And it's harder if you're doing an event or something like that and they're hiring you to shoot on April 20th and, you know, okay, I need to have my check by the 20th is what you have to tell them. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, for the start, because there are costs involved, you know. At the oh, yeah. I mean, especially in photography, if you have to uh, rent equipment mm-hmm. or you have to rent a studio or you have to hire other people to Get help, assistant. like assistants yep. or anybody working anything else for you. Um, or a helicopter. <laughs> yeah. The, or, yeah. They, or me but, when I'm riding in the helicopter. Yeah. I mean, all these people need to be paid. <laughs> they want to be paid up front. You yeah. know, so you, so you have to pay them. Um, so yeah, so all that, all that stuff's fine. And then, and then another big deal is your copyright. Um, you always want to keep your copyright if you can um, to be able to sell your photos again later on down the line or sell them to another company, especially mm-hmm. when I do like architectural work. I can do it. I, I you know, I keep my copyright. And so, I uh, I'm able to do the work for for the company that hired me, but then there might be two or other two, two or three other companies that were involved in the project that built the roof, that put the glass in, that paved the sidewalks, that uh, where one was the architect and one was the builder or whatever. And I can sell my photo, resell my photos again to all these different people and mm-hmm. make more money. Um, if that if, if the company comes to you up front and says we want to buy you out, we want all copyright to all the photos. Well, then your price yeah. is about to triple 
or quadruple because you're never going to be able to sell those photos again to to anyone else. Yep. And you may not even be able to show them on in your portfolio or anything like that. So you need to consider that and um, and charge what that's worth, which is a lot more. Um, and that's pretty what, standard to do. You know? Yeah, because all you're getting out of this now is payment, and that's it. Yeah. In fact, it's interesting. I mean, I've never... I mean, it's, you could, if, if if the client is inexperienced and they've never they don't have a lot of experience in hiring photography, they may think that that's an outlandish request. Uh-huh. And so sometimes you might have to be careful about how you word it, just so you don't make it sound like you're being difficult. But that is pretty, you know. Just say, you know, if you want exclusive rights to everything, and that's again, I guess you have that in your terms and conditions what their rights are to those images, right? Uh, and what your rights are. So you know, it's spelled out that they're not. If they're not buying full rights and they're not buying no, no, full that rights, that kind of comes up, comes up in in when you're doing your estimate in, right. in usage rights. Or yeah. a lot of times, if the client never mentions that they want full rights, then it's not a problem anyway. You're not yeah. giving them to them. But if they do want them, it's already a, a conversation they've had and something they'll mention right up front. Especially when it comes to when you start talking about usage. You know, this uh, is interesting. I'm going to ask you something that, like, okay, you remember when we first started doing the show back in 2010, uh-huh. and you you said you had a problem one time because you'd shot something and then put your images on Flickr for your portfolio stuff and they said hey dude you can't put those up right it, what do you remember who that was or what the deal was I'm yeah say who it talk, was i can't talk about it oh no that's but, i'm, I'm but, just but, asking no, you was that that was a like a hard lesson learned and that right was, that's what i was getting um, to that was i was working for a, a a company here in town uh doing architectural photos for them they were in turn working for the u.s government Oh, um, whoops! You sure can't US talk about that. Is the one that contacted me and said you cannot put those you put those photos online. But no one, the, the company that hired me, should have told me that. They they didn't even know that these photos couldn't be seen. So it was really it wasn't my mistake. Um, the government should have told the company that hired me that I would not have the rights to show these online or anything like that. Yeah, and, it's still a night. So the marketing person you know. just kind of just kind of you know we just all missed that. Um, until it came to someone's attention that they were online and they didn't like them online. So it became a big hoopla. And, of course, everybody's in panic mode then and all that. But um, then after that, we just kind of – you know, you, you live and learn. You, you make mistakes so that next time you don't make the same ones. And any time that I'm working with a government agency from here on out, it'll be like, okay, well, what are my usage rights to, yeah. to this particular – There's no to ask, right. Photos of. Is this a top secret facility that – pictures can't be shown of oh was that the situation that it was just the sensitivity of subject matter that exactly oh weird okay yeah Mm -hmm. huh but it was on a college campus and i mean it wasn't right on the campus but it was it was affiliated with a college here in texas and it was a part of their research laboratories and everything so i thought you know no big deal um that's interesting okay see i always thought and i guess that's why i was asking to clarify because i was i thought back then and maybe you thought back then too that it was it was a usage rights thing and not a sensitivity of it's not they didn't want you reselling it they didn't want anybody to see it you know? yeah it, it, it turns out that it was a sensitivity thing but because of that it, it you know then gotcha. really if i'd have known that up front i would have made that a usage thing they'd have needed to buy out all right, images right. forever um to just them because i can't resell those images to anyone else or or show them to anyone else so it's that type of situation because it's sensitive material hmm. um but that just wasn't communicated up front like we've talked about um and so I just kind of on that one just bit the bullet, paid the price for that one, and um, learned to next time you know deal with it a different uh, you know better. So cool. Yeah. Do you, do you need me to cut all that out, or are you? Cool? No, that's no. all fine. You're proud. No, I think that I think that's important for people to 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 definitely know, and that 
and that also that we're just going to make those kind of mistakes. And um, that's yeah, the only way that happens. we're really going to learn about some stuff like that, you know, is to kind of get, you know, bit in the butt and then say, okay, well, next time I'll, I'll definitely do that different. There you have it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hope that's useful to someone. We want to tell the people we've hit our hour. No, uh, we've hit our hour. We, what, what do we want to tell them? Um, well, we need to tell them to get on Facebook. I, I have to admit I've had a really, really busy week, and I have not been on the Facebook I haven't been on there much either. Too. <sighs> they're all talking. They're all wondering where we are. They're all. And I want to. They're uh, all mad. That um, I on, on Facebook, my personal page. A lot of people have made requests to to join mine. You're really open to having everybody on yours. On my Facebook page, it's really just family and close friends. Um, all my other social networks are open to everybody in the world. My Twitter, my Instagram, um, Flickr, all that kind of stuff. And even on Facebook, I have my own professional page which is wade griffith photography which they can people, follow you there right you can like and follow yeah. all my professional stuff i do there i just keep my my facebook personal facebook page kind of a little bit more private to you know to people that i actually know in person or our family members and stuff like that so don't ever be hurt if i don't make you a friend on there um because you can like my uh my business page i'm i'm hurt you're y'all. You're one of my friends, so <laughs> then I'm not. I hurt. know you in person, <laughs> so you get to see the private life. I do, but but the, yeah, but they should they should like they should like your page, and they should. It's like... mostly just nudes of me and looking at myself in the mirror, and snapping <laughs> pictures. So y'all don't self even, self nudes. It's just self evaluation stuff. Yeah, I specialize in self nudes. That's what's behind <laughs> self, the wall. Self nudes. self nudes. I mean, that's weird. Woo. Uh, heavy. Um, okay. Yeah. Fun. It wouldn't be the first person that did self nudes only. Um, well, you know what's funny is, oh, I don't know if I can name names or not. There, there is there's a chick on Flickr who is very popular, mm-hmm. and and she's never actually nude, but she does like very provocative self portraits. It's Becca, your wife, yes. No, 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 um, no Rebecca. No, Rebecca. No, okay, she's one, but no, what's her name? Uh, Carmen something, like oh. Soleil or something okay, like that. No. Soleil, or I can't remember her name on there. Well, Fabian and I were talking one time about it, and he was like, man, I, I check her daily. And I'm like, Fabian, I'm going to start doing that same kind of photos with me. And he got really grossed out. <laughs> it was classic. That's hilarious. All right, so I don't think we have any. I'm looking at the at the Facebook. We don't have any pending questions, but you know we will do Q and A on the show. So if you guys have stuff you want us to talk about, you go to yeah, the like, Facebook. Yeah, like always, throw throw uh, questions out to us or topics that you'd like for us to talk about. We always yeah. look at those. We review, review those, and most uh, most all of those have turned into shows so far. So um, how do they find us on Facebook, Wade? Well, I have no clue. They go to Facebook.com/slash <laughs> the Photography Show. Or they go to the show notes and they look there. We yeah. have, we have three head, 311 people who like us now. Awesome. And I was just on TV again last oh, week. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, I, yeah. and I pimped out our show. Nice. Um, you know, I think it's just a local show. So just Dallas people watch that. And it's a lot of house moms and stuff because it comes on between 10 and 11 in the morning. But um, the photography tips thing has been a big deal. They asked me to come back again because it was popular the first time. That's cool. Um, and and so and also I can tell on their website you know how many people from Facebook like like it and share it, um, and and when I've gone on there it always gets a lot of you know forty or fifty likes or shares or whatever. So I think people are really interested in learning more about photography, even if you're a mom at home or whatever. Uh, you know 
just good tips are hard to come by. So um, I definitely told him to go yeah. to to our show and listen to our podcast, and hopefully um, some some Dallas local people that saw that will um, will start listening. So the, the kids like the tips. They do like the tips. They love tips. And, and like I, I was with Fabian yesterday, who's a friend of ours, who's a web designer, but he also does some photography. And he made a good point. He said when he was, or just a few years ago, that he used to watch this kids show that came on Saturday mornings because there was a ten minute portion of it where a guy came on and gave like some pretty good photography tips every day or it may have come really? on come on weekdays Only yeah fabian you have to ask him what it was but he said he, he was even a little bit late for work sometimes because he was hanging out waiting for this guy to come on and give the photography tips that's of the day funny. so we could take notes and stuff but i mean you know there's people out there like that. that that's why they listen to our show and that's why they listen to your your video podcast the art of photography is because um w- you know we all want that knowledge of of how to get better and and um from people who are you know are working in the industry and, and doing the exact same thing. So, yeah. Yeah. All good in the hood, dude. That's all good in the hood. Yeah. Well, should we wrap it up? Let's do it. All right. You guys, thanks again for listening to, I don't ever know how to do this, dude. Man, you're an idiot. I'm, I am an idiot. <laughs> thanks once again for listening to the photography show. We'll see you next time. That was so canned too. When, why don't you close it? You close it out. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I'm going to let you close it out. We're not closed. Thanks for watching The Photography Show. (laughs)